Hello Australia, welcome to Wish You'd Known. It's a podcast for you, the Aussie advisor, for you, the Aussie support staff, for you, the Aussie underwriter, for you, the Aussie insert. Do you need some lamingtons, Glenn? All that stuff. <laughs> um, it's a podcast for the Australian financial advice community. Especially the new entrants within that community and risk specialists. So welcome everyone for listening today. Now, Danny, do you want to say thank you to somebody for helping us put this podcast there together? There is a certain special someone, uh, Zurich and One Path, that have helped us bring this industry initiative to life by sponsoring the production cost. So thank you to Zurich and One Path, and also thank you to our guest today, Dan Brown. Hi, Dan. Thanks for coming in. I would say you're welcome, but it is a bit of an effort, but glad to try and help um, the advisors of Australia. Yeah. Now, you might have heard Dan. He's been around the traps, uh, LinkedIn, part of the XY staff. He's primarily known uh, for being part of the Newcastle Financial Planning Group. And we want to chat to Dan today around this organic client acquisition, uh, Mm -hmm. because you've really tapped into the online stuff and getting clients from thin air. Uh, for a lot of the businesses that you've run. Mm -hmm. So can you tell us, you know, a little bit about your backstory in um, a concise way for the listeners? I'll do my best. You've got a lot of of history. You've got a lot of different avenues of how you're now um, doing marketing and advice and coaching. So there's lots of bows that you work with but yeah give us the highlight reel yeah and it's hard when you go looking backwards when you know you're so focused on where you're going forward but um yeah i guess we've got a business now with 28 staff uh three locations and multiple acquisitions in the, the pipeline and i guess looking back i've learned a lot along the way in the journey so really from 2016 i started this again from scratch left another business but been advising for 18 years and um, we've had some rapid growth since then through organic and inorganic acquisition. So happy to share whatever we, I can today. Yeah. And I guess for a new entrant coming in to insurance or advice, one of the most scary things is how do I get a client? So if you could maybe provide some insight on how they actually bring that you know client into their office or into their virtual world, how, how have you achieved that? Because you're saying you've started things from thin air. Yeah. So I guess um, we've done also on the old the acquisition front, we've done or acquired and sold businesses and there's pros and cons of that process, which is obviously gives you instant scale. Um, but then if you don't understand and do your due diligence properly, um, you know, the, the person that you're buying that from, you know, has probably ingrained their cultural theme or view of financial advice right throughout the business from the client to the, the staff. And so then if you and through their online presence on lack of, so then you've got to go about reworking that. So, you know, that's a, a big distraction. Uh, and you've got to have, uh, you know, a, a mindset of, you know, you know, for example, they're charging like the reject shop, but you think you're Emirates Airlines, that's a problem. And you're going to have to work your way through that versus, I guess, the digital side, which we've had a lot of uh, success from and um, really passionate about now. I guess the opportunity there is that it's about creating an online digital shop front. And I'm meticulous from the time the client engages with us on social media, through to the website, through to the office, through to being greeted like a concierge in our office. So it's that one, thinking about the whole experience that the client's going to get just like you would do in a retail outlet. So would you say the safer bet is really trying to get that client not from an existing uh, like relationship, so not purchasing a, a client base, but actually trying to drum up business of clients who might not be in an active relationship from, you know, online kind of marketing and funnels. Yeah, so for me that that seems to be the easy appealing 
option right now. And I guess the default of the industry, if you go back in time, is to treat a, you know, one, we should treat this like a business. And it's not a financial planning practice. It's no longer a book of clients. And that's the way where we've come from. And so if you go back through time and when we've acquired books, that's when we've learnt some harsh lessons. And then when you go to the digital world, I guess the opportunity right now and for the next period of time is that this massive exit um, of licensees, advisors, the banks, the private banking, and a lot of these clients are looking for a new home. And if you can find or provide an online shop front that allows them to like you, trust you, and want to do business with you, then you get to, sl- it's a clean slate versus the opportunity of buying someone else's problems. Yeah, good point. So you, the opportunity at the moment is to perhaps give those orphans a new home and how might you actually capture them and bring them into your wheelhouse? Like what do you actually do to get that person who needs a new home engaging with you? What's step one? Well, step one, yeah, I think is, you know, it's the basics, but really it's about, of, you know, what's your brand messaging? So it starts with, you know, what are, what are you pitching to? Who's your ideal client and how are you going to go and find them? And if they're liking, they want to find you through Google, through social media, you've got to be putting out content that speaks their language, not our own. And a lot of advisors, even when they're doing uh, testimonials, will speak about how good they are, where you've got to make the client the hero. The, the client wants to enter your story, but they want you to be, guide them to success. And a lot of advisors get that completely wrong. So our biggest learning probably back 2018 was to start writing content that's more important to them. So we understand what they like to search for, they like to do. So start thinking about like where would your ideal client and what would they be doing on a day-to-day basis? That's retirees. They are, are, um, you know, they're going down to the local coffee shop and enjoying. um, So understand who your who is what's important to them, what problems are they perhaps facing, what might you be able to do to resolve those kind of frustrations or aggravations, is that the word I'm searching for? Yeah, aggravations. And then, um, and in what what medium or what form are they going to the coffee shop or are they searching online? Like which, where are they hanging out essentially? Yeah, like imagine, like so the default would have been back down 2018 where we shifted is to write content about, say, a transition to retirement strategy or why you need income protection. But it's not about, that's the solution to their problem. And so we've got to talk about, they've got, they've got a problem, they're looking for a solution and you've got to talk about that. And so that's where we've been able to create content mm-hmm. and understand what Google recognises, rewards and get you onto page one. Okay. So just with the uh, organic stuff, a lot of people might not realise um, that, you know, Google Trends, it's, it's publicly information it's publicly available information. And I've just done a search here, even the term financial advice on Google Trends, you know, let's just do the past day. You know, in New South Wales, oh, there was one free financial advice. There you go. Uh, aged care financial advice. Uh, so there's all this data and it's available. And it's not as if you have to pay thousands and thousands of dollars to do that. But maybe if you are starting to write blogs on your website, have a look at Google Trends, see what people are searching in your state, in your location. And and this is why having a who is really important because mm-hmm. you can't see what everyone's talking about. So you kind of need to enter a conversation of a particular type of person to, I guess, resonate and be able to... Mm. connect with them. Yeah, and, and we, and, never, yeah. we never got this right at the start. And another one, it's free, totally free. Go, Facebook is fully transparent. So you can see what others are running in ads. It's all there. You can see what's successful. You can literally take that and apply it to your area. Um, it's 
Google down the bottom, you type in, I always use Gladstone, so sorry for anyone who lives there, financial planning Gladstone, go to the bottom of Google on that page one and I'll tell you what everyone's searching at the moment. Mm-hmm. So you like you start writing content based on what people are searching for and not in the stupid um, content that our licensees will produce for us, which is about products and well, strategies. Well, there's stuff we think people want to know. Go to the source of where they're having conversations yep. and make sure you're entering that conversation and that's a great way to... Aged care, property, they're all self-managed super fund. They might not end up buying those things from you or, or want advice around those things, but and they end up getting insurances because they realise they've got a gap towards their ideal retirement. But you're right about the content that's going to drag your audience. So are you, um, you know, because you guys have really owned this piece in your businesses to the the point where like you'll name the business Newcastle Financial Planning or Central Coast Financial Planning. So are you paying for Google ads or is all your acquisition um, organic? Uh, Yeah, so we're up to, we haven't spent a dollar We've done a few Facebook posts, in, insignificant now, like 150 bucks, because we're creating new video content yeah. about the value of advice at the moment, using some of the content that was released through um, CPA and IWF last year. But at the, in the last six months, or in the last year, I would have spent less than a thousand dollars. Yeah. But in you know leads, I think we're up to 125 new meetings booked this year, calendar year. So yeah. in three months. Yeah, and the, and they're just organic from Google or Facebook. Uh, generally Google, yeah. yeah, inquiring all different ways, but yeah. And does your te- like, does your team know like, are they using a a, a Google um, tag manager on your website with Facebook pixels? Are people visiting once and retargeting on Facebook, or is it Google search? Yes, this is what I'm after. Book straight away, or are they coming from a an organic retarget? How uh, you know? Oh, there's a few different tricks which I. Reveal some. Yeah, uh, but we've got a very, um, you know, a very systemized approach to what we're doing. Mm. Uh, if you think about, if we look Central Coast, there's no competition now that Glenn sold his business. Yeah. There, uh, there's no competition, and we talked about being local, and everyone else is doing it as a satellite. So attack every, your op- your opponent's weaknesses, mm. treat it like a game, and then uh, anyone that wants to come into that market now has got a hell of a fight to get us get past number one. So we know all the key searches. We write content specifically for what people are searching for and then we have signage that blast them everyone else out of the water and the last so this week already we have eight new meetings booked primarily on the central coast and the last two one said i love the content that you like that you're writing uh, and sharing and the second one was that you had a five-star google review Mm. and no one else did so i'm like well why isn't someone else trying to do that So. so for the new advisor who's trying to get their clients to write testimonials and get their reviews sort of showing the quality of what they do what would your tips be on that? I know that's something simple, but it's something people really struggle with and it's a great way to build trust with people who haven't worked with you yet. Yeah, so your clients want to be part of your story and quite often the people, my clients that I've had for 18 years, say, or 16, anyone in that journey, will come in and remember things about me that I forgot I even spoke to them about. So they want to build that relationship. So firstly, if you ask them genuinely, can you do me a favour, this will really help me, like that's the first one, just ask. And secondly, we'll create a competition for them to help build your business or offer them an incentive like, oh, thanks very much, here's a movie ticket or coffee's on me if you could write that review. There's so many little things that people can make such significant ground and I really feel like I, I treat it like a battle, not a battlefield, but a, a, a competition is that if I keep investing in this every day and we keep tweaking and Stacey, who runs it all for me behind the scenes, uh, it's a love-hate relationship <laughs> and she'll listen to this and hopefully get a laugh but the, the reality is I keep thinking, what, are we, what can we do better? What can I... And 
And I'd rather invest in that and the the acquisitions, which gives us the scale and systems and processes we can put in place. But if I'm in startup phase, I'm firstly getting a website that I can be proud of. It doesn't have to be complicated. It's actually got to pass a caveman test. Uh, secondly, you know, Facebook's for or social media is for people wanting to gather information and think about Google. Google's really about people wanting to solve a problem. And so before you go out and spend all these money on Google AdWords, firstly, reach out to us and happy to help in any way. But that's the basic fundamentals. And even if you only have to really be posting or re- reposting or resharing once or twice a week for you to get to page one. Yeah, I think some of the biggest compliments that I had from clients, kind of, and you touched it on before, Dan, it would be an organic lead from Google. They would come in, sit down with me, and they couldn't believe how much the meeting with me felt like my website because and one guy turned around and pointed at my son and he said, because my son was like, we provide comfort and certainty or something like that. He's like, this is what I'm about right here. And talking with you, it does reflect exactly what was on your website. And the amount of high value clients that you can actually get- By making sure it all aligns. Acquisition cost is crazy. Yeah, so uh, one of my mates works at Westfield and he's telling me about uh, the retailers and how much they put everything is focused. Uh, Telstra, for example, was getting the floors polished and cut and polished 15 times to get the right light reflection. Unlike in financial services or even professional services, that would be like, what? That's another planet compared to us. And so I really think there's an opportunity for, and many of our clients now in the marketing business, um, having they ring us and go, we didn't realise the leads just keep coming through on email. Like, uh, yeah, like that's what happens. <laughs> it's just an automated process. By understanding who you're targeting, what they want and actually delivering that and keep iterating so you keep improving exactly what they want because I guess your strategy wouldn't have worked as well, Glenn, if you didn't know who your audience mm. was and you're, um, it's, it's pretty impossible if you're trying to you know appeal to a number of different people. You've got to get what I'm picking up is you've got to get really precise on who you want to delight. Because not everyone wants the floor cut and polished 15,000 times. No. You know, so I think that's a takeaway. What other question as you're speaking through that, if you are generating these Google leads, for me, if I engage with a business just via kind of virtually, there would be a lot of apprehension before meeting them. What would your suggestion be? Like they're obviously delighted when what they expect happens, but what could you do in between generating that contact and that person was stepping into your office or your virtual, you know, meeting to warm up the process and really provide a bit of confidence that, you know, you are going to deliver a great service. What can you do? So I think the website, you know, firstly, you want to have an easy way for them to do business with you. So that depending on what software you use, you can look where they stop and finish and why they engage. Do they ring your phone number? Do they book now? So firstly, have an easy call to action and repeat that there's a simple process It should look like a Z on your landing page and keep it damn simple. Secondly, then you want some stuff to back it all up. So it's client testimonials or where, you know, if you don't have uh, testimonials, use case studies, build your own testimonial. You know, I helped this client, we got this insurance claim, we put this insurance in place. Uh, three years later, you know, they got a terminal illness payment, whatever. That's still the same, that they can still like you and trust you what you the value you've created. And you're showing someone else like that person who's gone through that progress journey or that transformation as you've promised on your website. Yeah, and, and this is what I want to touch on here. It's like, it's all well and good that you're going out and getting clients, but can you look after them once they're in the boat? Yeah. And I'll, I'm going to read right now and I'll keep the names anonymous, 
So many of you know that I run the My Millennial Money podcast as well. And uh, we did an episode recently and it was it was a case study. Vince Scully and myself, we did the episode. And if you want to have a listen, it's episode 412B. And this client in the Facebook group, she wrote a thing about, hey, I've been going to this financial advisor. They'll charge me a fee. We're not getting any value. So we did this case study of what, you know, some options that she could do. And she wrote this to me yesterday. She just said, like, thanks for the case study, blah, blah, blah. I feel yourself and Vince hit the nail on the head saying that our ex-advisor just failed to take us on a journey. We definitely don't want to publicly shame, but we started with, insert company here, actually through name, originally through a recommendation from a friend. I would say they were great at the start. However, during our time, we ended up transitioning through advisors, one left, then we had this person who was great, but then he also left and it was really an important transition in our life. Now, so basically this company, and I wrote back to her and said, hey, I actually know the story of that company. It's not the first time I've heard that. They were big online. They were doing all this beautiful unicorns and selling the world and delivering an atlas, basically. So it's all well and good to have your front end looking good and getting that client in the door. But this lady, she was saying, we're both on 180K a year. Like not a crap client. Yep. She got in. Jumped that biggest hurdle and just needed then to be looked after. And got let down. Yep. So in your business and your experience, for those who wanting to start this getting organic clients, what are some key things that they must do to keep that client in? Because there's no point getting a new client if you can't keep them because they're more valuable if you keep them on because you get And it's actually a compliance issue then, which it's multi-layered. So I would just say to that situation, Dan, about, you know, the show and the glitz and the glamour and then not delivering once they're on board. Oh, yeah, it's a, and I'd love to say that we nail it, but I'd, I'd gather that we don't because we've had advisors that just doing up to speed and they've left and that, that experience. But um, firstly, we, you know, we've got a, we use active campaign for our communication that goes out once a month. So we back up what they've experienced. That's online. bloody expensive. I use that myself. <laughs> I always think of us as uh, and our business as Emirates or Tiffany's and they get the, you know, they don't just have, uh, if someone walks into Tiffany's, they get the same box, they get the same experience, someone greets them. So our business has always been tested throughout that. We have dedicated resources to be able to, to, be able to achieve that with our uh, comms, seeing who's opening what, and then we have a whole process of follow-up and follow-through that we've built out. The reality is, is that many will struggle at that as the compliance hurdles and uh, the administration that we've got to do now is uh, next level. So I'd say if you can back up that same experience and make it personable, uh, people want to trust you, they want to be personable, but they also want to be able to have that relationship uh, with the, your business. So how do you specifically test that what you're designing is actually happening, particularly in those years um, as that relationship matures? I think the best way, we did this last year with three of our higher paying clients and they didn't start that way. They they built that journey along the way and they're now multi-millionaires. So I built a client advisory group and I allowed other people inside the business to ask questions about our service and it was quite interesting to hear their their feedback and then so we've built our communication now around that because we want to obviously get more of those type of clients that have been left out to dry by other advisors. So... I think there's that, ask. Uh, secondly, um, just, it's the same thing as a, you got them in a certain way, you've got to back that up because they want that same experience throughout. Yeah, look, uh, from my um, experience being involved in a lot of the various award processes across our industry, it's really 
really interesting that what matters to the clients as to why they love their advisor is always proactive communication, like quick responses. Even if the solution is not delivered quickly, they always value that advice relationship and they say, oh, that's a high quality advisor, essentially the speed of the communication. And we worked with one business or, you know, we had one business that went through the awards process a few times. And it was really interesting when they started to add in technology to actually just enable the clients to vent an issue quickly and then respond quickly, not necessarily with the solution, but we've got your concern and we'll be dealing with it. And here's the time frame. Their client satisfaction, you know, really just jumped up, you know, some significant pegs. So I don't know if that's true in what you've found with your customer service. Yes, I think um, a coach that I'm working with at the moment, David Hines, Haynes, Hines, the best quote I've got from him so far, which is really relevant, is that price is only a question in the absence of value. And so, in other words, they're never not going to sign that fixed term agreement. They're never not going to renew that insurance policy if they believe that it's adding, you know, protecting their, their future. So as long as you're communicating, which is, you know, through COVID, I worked every day for like five months straight, seven days a week, kept calling clients. We backed it up with communication. We didn't have any clients turn off their fees or really want to switch their portfolios. The insurance has now become really valuable. So now we're up in the ante on insurance is what's coming through the industry. So again, it's probably communicate, communicate, communicate. Yeah. And I think my unsolicited advice would be to those who are wanting to go out on their own or enter into the industry, you can have a client love you and be 100% on board with what you want to do after the first meeting without mentioning any product, without mentioning any returns, without mentioning any insurance premium, and just asking them what they want to achieve and talk general concepts and really listen to them. You nail that. They will. No client has ever said, oh, Dan, we just love you as our advisor because we like that model portfolio that you have for us. They like you because you bloody answer the phone. They like you because you bloody reply to their email and you're present in times like COVID. So, you know, this, I was talking to an advisor the other day and he was like, oh, if a client came in and said they wanted to buy their house outright with cash, I'll tell them it's a bad thing to do because the money's best spent investing. It's like, no, that's ridiculous. You talk with the client and you work with what they want to do. Like it's just, I don't know. And this is this new school of client engagement stuff that I think the industry is losing out on. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we do a lot of this uh, coaching. We done we put our advisors through a lot of coaching programs around behavioral science. Some of our younger advisors, one of them, Patrick, did his eight subjects in nine months. He's like incredibly intelligent. I'm going on to do my master's. No, no, no. You're going on to do some behavioral science totally. stuff, NLP. Um, yeah. So for me, I think it's uh, the industry has come from a product-driven uh, background owned by licensees and the licensees are owned by product manufacturers. The ability to engage with the client so they like you, trust you, want to do business with you, it really probably comes down to communication, putting yourself in their shoes, what's important to them, not what's important to us. And I think if we can do that more, you'll get all the results that you ever ever want to achieve in business. I think that behavioural piece is really important because people can get information you know, at a click, like, as you say, you're building content to whatever they want. You know, there's just any wisdom you can actually get online in a click, in a podcast, whatever. So the thing that they probably can't get is that 
transformation or that desired, who do I want to be and how are you going to get me there? And that's different for every single client. And you can't really mass that, Mm. I don't think. And that's probably why they're paying for that advice relationship and and coaching relationship and experience. It's got to be, can you take me where I want to go? And even like, I, I would say you're in the people business. It's like, you know, you go to that cafe or restaurant and you get the rude wait stuff. It's like, do you know you're in hospitality? Like, <laughs> so you can't forget that you're in hospitality as an advisor. How can I serve you? How can I help you? And if you build that good relationship, here's a challenge to anyone listening. At the end of the first meeting, if your relationship's solid, plant the seed with the client. I love working with people like you. The third time we're together, I'm going to ask you for someone to introduce me to. Yep. Not now. And just plant that seed and say, remember that first meeting? Have you remembered? And then if the second meeting you go, remember that at the end of it, the next meeting's the one where I'm going to ask you, they'll give you someone to call or they'll introduce you. And if they don't, they're going to say why, yeah. which is going to be incredibly valuable. Yeah. And, and this is the whole thing. My unsolicited advice, learn the people business, grow slow and grow quality because it might be a good segue into the purchasing businesses. Yep. I wouldn't buy a business in a million years uh, unless you're buying my one because it was all beautifully gift wrapped. Um, <laughs> I, course. you know, my, you know, I think I had 250 clients or something like that. I'd met every single one of them face to face, and it's harder to buy someone else's client base with legacy products, legacy relationships. So how do you do that other than offering really low prices? <laughs> uh, that's Which a great, I declined. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great question. I think well, I think at the moment there's deals to be done. That, um, it brings it back to the buyer, similar, I guess, to like a real estate industry at the moment or property market, is that there's an opportunity for the for buyers to do deal. The last deal I did was vendor finance, 18 months and anything that fell off, which is one of the best tips I can ever give anyone, remove the word buy, sell from a contract and put retention payment. Anything that falls off, we don't pay for. And it's insurance, 100, nearly 100% insurance. So uh, firstly, uh, my tips on if we're going to buy, uh, first or we'll know similar what you'd say to a client, know your purpose, what, mm. what do you want to achieve from this? And for us, um, I think you need to attach the advisor to the business as long as you can, which takes the risk out of it. And secondly, understand like due diligence is so important because there's so many things that can blow up. And uh, when you're putting everything on the line, if you're in that startup phase, the bank's going to want <laughs> everything. Mm. You might as well give you literally just you're working for them in a, in a way they've got you under a personal guarantee. They've got you on P&I repayments. So factor all the costs and so forth into it and then think about the worst case scenario, the best case scenario, and it's probably going to land somewhere in between. Mm. So yeah, the last, so we've done two acquisitions this year now, just second ones uh, going through and like even things like the tripartite agreements and getting those over the line and um, the you know releasing uh, it, it is a painful process but for us uh, our goal is very clear to you know double and double again in size in the next couple of years so do you think it's uh, where possible try and just buy from within the same licensee well, it definitely helps yeah. um, you can get some waivers now around otherwise you've got to produce SOAs. waivers yeah that's right them. yeah um, and you know what service did they do? Oh, there's so many things on acquisitions. It's just the way. To, it's, if I'm in startup phase, you know, I spoke to a guy the other day uh, in Brisbane. He's looking at buying a book, and it was 110,000 dollars of and 60 clients. I'm like, 
they're losing money. That's why they're selling. And he goes, I'm doing my due diligence after hours and usually between the hours of 1am and 3am. Have you got any tips? And I rattled off all these, these things and he's like, never thought of that, never thought of that. So there's obviously a lot to it and, uh, you know, anyone can reach out to you. You're very happy to take some more questions, Dan, on LinkedIn perhaps is one of the great forums because you do offer services around sort of coaching and helping people with marketing and obviously acquisitions as well. Is that... Yeah, we'll um, share an open book from the due diligence forms, the questionnaires we use. So I think we're up to 12 transactions now. Um, so I feel like uh, I've sat on advisory panels where none of them have done... Um, acquisitions or sales and they're talking about succession. That's a, I've got a, um, I guess someone that helps me with all this as well. So Sam helps me on the, the tax side of things and how to structure the loans. I use a broker for that. Happy to share any of that information and mm. people can use it. If they want. So what are you doing? Like, so you've got a pretty aggressive growth trajectory or trajectory or however you say it. Um, what are you doing with your own succession? That's a great question. Um, a few different things. So I brought in, so the, uh, again, with the coach, David, sort of um, brought in, bringing in a few different, um, I guess, business partners. So it's uh, diluting my share, holding down. Um, that's the first one. Second one, you know, we're, we've got a very clear exit strategy in place of how we exit the, the business and it, how we sell what we've got to sell. But we've got some pretty uh, lofty ambitions between it. So I bring... Yeah, and so you still think uh, financial planning businesses in the new era, post-RC, post-every acronym in the world, is worth something? Uh, that's what someone asked me the other day, and I'm hearing a few other stories that might be coming out, coming along our way in the next few weeks. So I was like, oh, we might not be the only business left at this rate. Mm. But um, for me, I think it's uh, – firstly, we – when we look at acquisitions, we don't look at it. We look, we do transactions on recurring revenue, but it's purely an EBIT play, an EBIT multiple in our systems and processes. And I think the value of our business is phenomenally more than anyone else because they buy that lead generating tool that goes with it. And if we're getting 400 leads a year, surely that's a high multiple of EBIT I hope for at the end. Mm. So that's the first. And secondly, um, it's all about scale and and our licensee and it's across the industry, I guess, is that, um, you know, ha being able to have dedicated compliance people, dedicated systems, and pro we've spent a lot of money. We've got a whole um, offshore team. So you're with IWF? IWF, yeah. yeah. What's their APL like? Uh, fully open APL. Yeah. Uh, as far as I know, we're going down a path of consolidating our investment view, which yeah. we haven't had in the past, but yeah. uh, open APL. Yeah, cool, cool. Well, I guess in finishing up... Do you want to maybe just um, talk to us about your side hustle? <laughs> it's quickly becoming the 50-50 hustle. Yeah. yeah so we got we set up. So we obviously had some success now with marketing brand. We called it marketing, branding, sales, and that was from different coaching I've done. And really, I think they're the three key ingredients for any successful business. If you don't have them, you don't have a business. And so we've done or hosted coaching programs. We've done a lot of branding. We've got a whole offshore team that can execute any strategy now. Uh, in relation to marketing and what we've had a lot of, we've seen over 120 businesses across Australia and I can tell you that most of them have a pricing issue, not a marketing issue and they're branding or they've got no idea. So we've been able to build some select packages around tailoring it say for under a million dollars and then over a million dollars and being able to build out a growth strategy for each each business. That so yeah, so what are we talking if someone turns over under a mil? Uh, just trying to get into page one of Google to start yep. with. I bet in terms of investment. Oh uh, yeah, so we can go from as little as fifteen hundred a month um, 
then we got a do-it-yourself package as well, to be yeah. honest. So they can just buy it and do it. And yeah. Even less than that. Yeah. Um, we'll try and tailor as much as we can, but you know, effectively, as long as those clients that come on board and see it as an investment, not a cost, we're mm. able to build something for them. And, yeah. And build it as they scale up as well. Yeah. Yeah. And it's probably something, Danny, to to really focus on as we get through this compliance squeeze, I'll call it, because we've got the educational stuff, which we put to bed soon, you know, RC implementations, licensees, consolidating and contracting. There's a lot of moving so, parts, I guess. Yeah, and so I'm, I'm, na- I'm calling it the compliance squeeze. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, yeah, that's an awfully technical way to refer to it. But mm. I guess it, you always do need to work at, if you're a new entrant with new clients. So you've shared a lot of advice and wisdom on how to actually acquire that. So thank you so much for joining us, Dan. And look, there's a lot of things you could obviously share and this conversation could go for a lot longer. But if people connect with you on LinkedIn, then then you guys can continue that conversation. And the last question I actually have, because I've noticed as a fellow bookworm, Dan, that you've been quoting a few little lines, a few that I've heard um, certainly from building a story brand from Don Miller. If you've got um, someone who's a really eager beaver wanting to get some of this business wisdom, what would the one or two books or coaches that you think that they should be listening to as they start out? So firstly, David, who I uh, work with, uh, would kill me if I didn't say you need to read his stuff. I think he's a a great advocate for- What's his surname? Heinz. So he ran Shadforce and uh, was in CEO of Shadforce when they sold it for $670 million to IWF. Uh, I should know his name, the business name. If you Google him, so he talks about above the line, below the line philosophy. It would be great to, for any advisor to read his um, articles or, and do his course. Mm-hmm. His course we put our whole team through and it really sharpens up your approach of making your client the hero or the story. Uh, second, I reckon the number one book, if everyone hasn't read it, uh, they need to, is The E-Myth. Michael Gerber, I think that's just hands down the easiest one to get your head around and figure out if you're the uh, technician, the manager or the entrepreneur. And there's three different roles and you don't have to be all of them. And so for me, I'm not a manager at all. I have people do all that stuff. And then probably, well, Business Made Simple, Don's latest book's really good, but also if you want to think, start to think really big, which is my saying is no limiting beliefs, mm. is... Um, uh, Good to Great by Jim Collins. I think that's a phenomenal book too. Excellent. Well, I've picked that one up. I haven't read it yet, so I will be uh, bookworming on that one. But thanks so much for coming in, Dan. It's been such a fantastic discussion with many, many nuggets of gold. And thank you to Glenn. And yeah, thank you welcome. to our sponsors, Zurich One Path. Awesome. Tuning out, guys. All right. Catch thanks, up. Dan. See you guys. Bye. Thank you so much for listening today. If you are in the advice world and you've made it this far, my question to you is, who can you forward this episode to? Thank you so much for listening. This was made possible because of My Risk Advisor. You can head over to the Facebook group, My Risk Advisor, and join in on the conversation.